This episode is made possible with the support from our sponsor, Vodafone America's Foundation. Vodafone America's Foundation mobilizes partners from all sectors to empower women and girls through technology, as well as support social justice projects. There were a lot of math classes that I missed because of me not being able to afford period products, even though the Shoppers Drug Mart was just next door. Me going into the Shoppers Drug Mart, looking at the $15 price tag when I only had $8 in my bank account, knowing that there was nowhere on campus where I could go and get a pad or tampon, and being too afraid to ask somebody else, even my friends, if they had an extra one because of the stigma. That's Unique Bradford, the founder and executive director of Help a Girl Out, a nonprofit organization dedicated to end period poverty. If I could go back and think about what would have made the situation easier for me, it would be access to menstrual supplies. I remember being in class and just feeling very sorry for myself, wasn't focusing on the lesson at all, just thinking, about the other girls in class that were able to just focus and learn and didn't have the added stress of worrying whether or not the one extra cardboard pad that I had in my backpack was enough to get me through the school day. So that little girl, what she needed was in a place where she's supposed to be safe, where she's supposed to learn, which is school, to have access to menstrual supplies. This is Finding Humanity, and I'm your host, Hazami Bermada. Through personal stories of courage and purpose, our podcast puts a human face on the most critical human rights and social justice issues facing our world. In each episode, we aim to educate and inspire you to take action, and together, to help create a better world. Yannick is originally from Jamaica. She grew up in a single parent family. I lost my dad when I was really young. And so my mom had to go into the workforce with um, two young kids. And she worked very long hours just to provide for us. But after paying the rent and like school fee, uniform, food, you know, transportation, that stuff, we often didn't have money left over for our periods especially because they weren't at the forefront of our minds. So I grew up experiencing period poverty where she would build pads for us out of cardboard, plastic, newspaper, whatever, because she didn't give us the option of staying home from school. In my mom's opinion, the best way to escape poverty is to get an education. So it was very important to her that we were in school every month, never missed a day. And these were the pads that we wore. So they were these really, really big bricks. And, you know, cardboard pads don't have wings. I always joke about that. So they had a tendency to slide around in your underwear. And it always gave me such anxiety that it could fall out at any time. And I'd be like the laughing stock of the class. So a lot of times when I was supposed to be focusing on what we were learning, I was more focused on how to just get through the day. Period poverty refers to the lack of affordability and accessibility of period products. 
According to the charitable organization Days for Girls, nearly 25% or a quarter of all menstruators around the world experience period poverty. Although linked to poverty, this is an issue that not only affects low-income countries. In the United States, for example, two in five people who menstruate experience period poverty, and one-third of low-income women report missing work or similar events due to lack of period supplies. I spoke to Jennifer Gaines about the effects of period poverty. Jennifer is a program director at Alliance for Period Supplies. Students who are struggling to afford period products are not going to school, so they're not learning along with their classmates. They're feeling shamed. They're feeling guilty. They're feeling embarrassed. So not only is it affecting their education, but it's also affecting their mental health, their well-being. There are some folks that are not able to go to work um, because they don't have the proper products to manage their periods. Also, you know, parents specifically, you know, I'm a mom of two young boys. And while I feel very fortunate to have a great partner to help me in this process, I know that there are a lot of struggling single mothers and single menstruators that can't even afford period supplies to be able to go to work. And with single mothers, particularly, you know, when it comes to the decision about buying food for their babies, for their children, paying rent to stay where they are, or period supplies, as a mom, I can honestly say that mothers are going to choose the diapers. The mothers are going to choose the formula. They're going to choose the food and they're going to put themselves last to support their families. And so these are the hard decisions that families are making. It is unsurprising that so many people are unable to afford menstrual products. The average menstruator will spend approximately $1,700 on tampons throughout their life. For pads, the cost goes up to nearly $4,800. When we're talking about affordability of costs, why are period products so expensive? Really good question. So just as recently in the last year, the cost of manufacturing these products have gone up. And who is affected directly are the consumers. But not only just that as well, I'm not sure if you've heard of pink tax before. So pink tax is related to menstrual products like pads and tampons. And so that also rises the cost of these very basic necessities. And that's one of the things that we also, you know, fight against in removing tax because menstrual products, pads, tampons, liners are not luxury items. You know, these are basic necessities. The pink tax Jennifer is referring to is a price discrepancy in which the exact same services and products marketed to women cost more than those marketed to men. One controversial part of the pink tax is known as the tampon tax. Many states charge a tax on menstrual products, despite the fact that non-luxury necessities are usually exempt from sales tax. Why are menstrual products that are basic necessities taxed as luxury items? The folks that are making the decisions are mostly nine out of 10 non-menstruating people. So they don't understand that these products are necessities. Besides the tampon tax, a big contributing factor to period poverty is the stigma attached to menstruation. If people aren't able to speak about their period, it is less likely that they will seek help when experiencing period poverty. From a very young age, you're taught that 
we just don't talk about this, right? And so that's where the stigma begins. And so when you are at a point where you're trying to manage your period and you don't have the money or the resources to be able to do so, you don't feel comfortable talking to somebody about, you know, not being able to access period products. And it's also a stigma of just being poor and living in poverty. So it's a double standard of not being comfortable enough to speak out about your needs in terms of managing your period, but it's also the ability to speak out about, you know, your needs of accessing just basic necessities because of your lack of finances, the lack of money. In Yannick's case, this cycle was intergenerational. My mom actually had a very, very rough upbringing. My mom was experiencing period poverty all her life, which is how she even knew how to build those pads for us. She used to use like old sheets nappies like what they use for young babies and stuff like that so it has been my mom's story before it was mine I believe that it was what her mom passed on to her that she passed on to us for this reason Yannick didn't know about periods until she started menstruating my first period was a complete shock I did not know what it was or that it was coming I didn't get that early education in school But when I got it on my way home from school and when I got home, I sort of kept it to myself because I thought, okay, this is very weird. I'm bleeding, but maybe it will stop. So I kept it to myself. And when I realized that it wasn't stopping, that's when I took it to my mother, at which point she told me that this is a period. All women go through it after you get to a certain age. And this is how you use a pad. But my education about periods stopped there. I really didn't know why or what was really happening or anything like that. And in the Jamaican culture, periods are very stigmatized where our parents, the education that they give us around periods is usually a negative one where they tell us just don't get pregnant. So their prime focus after their child starts menstruating is just telling them not to get pregnant. So that was the whole education that I got around periods, that it was something very negative and I should not have sex because if I get pregnant, I'm going to be thrown out of the house or, you know, that sort of thing. The stigma around periods isn't unique to Jamaica. All over the world, people menstruating are ostracized from basic activities like eating certain foods, socializing, or participating in religious events. In Nepal, for example, in more traditional societies, menstruating women are seen as impure by their communities and are banished to huts during their cycles. Yannick realized that period poverty is not something unique to low-income countries after she moved to Toronto, Canada for college. Even in Canada, there were still a lot of times where I wasn't able to afford menstrual pads, especially because due to my flow, I need the extra heavy ones, which are more expensive. So I wasn't able to afford those. And there were a lot of math classes that I missed because of me not being able to afford period products, even though the Shoppers Drug Mart was just next door. Me going into the Shoppers Drug Mart, looking at the $15 price tag when I only had $8 in my bank account, knowing that there was nowhere on campus where I could go and get a pad or tampon, and being too afraid to ask somebody else, even my friends, if they had an extra one because of the stigma. 
And so I was experiencing period poverty here in Canada, and so were others in my class. So when I realized just how widespread it was, that it was in all these different cultures, all these different religions in these two countries, I started digging and doing more research about it. And I thought, okay, wow, like this is global. And then I started from my own community. I used to bring extra pads and tampons to school. Unique opened her first credit card so that she could buy tampons and pads for herself and her friends. But as more people started asking her for menstrual products, she accumulated $3,000 in debt. And then somebody suggested to me, instead of like accumulating all this debt, why don't you ask for donations? Because you yourself are in the same boat. It's not financially smart to spend all this money. And so I started asking for donations and then they said it would be easier to ask for donations if you were a registered not-for-profit. I was about 18 years old. I had no idea how to register a not-for-profit, how to run an organization. But I knew that there were so many people out there that needed help and I had to do something about it because I was looking for an organization to volunteer with and at the time there were none. So I Googled how to start a nonprofit in Canada, and I got Help a Girl Out up and running and registered when we started getting donations, and we just grew from there. Unique officially launched Help a Girl Out in 2018, when she was 19 years old. Help a Girl Out aims to reduce period poverty and eliminate the shame attached to menstruation. They do so by packaging and distributing period products and running anti-stigma campaigns year-round. This episode is made possible with the support from our sponsor, Vodafone America's Foundation. Vodafone America's Foundation invests into programs that create opportunities for women and girls to learn new skills, sustain their interests in technology, and allow them to thrive and excel. The organization supports advocacy and gender work for women in and through technology to elevate women's voices and create positive and sustainable change within their communities around the world. The organization also supports equality and social justice projects. To learn more about the foundation's programs and how you can support their network of partners, please visit vodafone-us.com. The link is in our show notes. In her work with Help a Girl Out, Unique realized that period poverty not only affects education and professional life of menstruators, it also affects their health. People will send us messages about, okay, something's going on with my body. I don't really know what it is. And we try to say, okay, you should talk to your doctor about it. And we sort of empower them to seek help from a medical professional. Because we've also noticed that a lot of people are uncomfortable talking to their doctors about what's going on with them. And we believe that this is the reason why a lot of uterine illnesses are largely undiagnosed. It's why a lot of people who are experiencing like painful periods um, don't really go to their medical professionals and say, okay, this is what I'm experiencing. Maybe something is wrong. They sort of just accept it because of the stigma attached to menstruation. When menstruators resort to unhygienic alternatives because of lack of period products, they are at an increased risk of poor health outcomes due to yeast infections, vaginosis, urinary tract infections, or even death from toxic shock syndrome. 
If people are unable to speak to their doctors about these issues because of the stigma, then this further aggravates their health. But even people who can afford menstrual products can experience health issues because of the toxins often found in them. There has been testing from a variety of corporate parties and nonprofits, and we found stuff in there that should concern everyone. And by in there, I mean in some commercially manufactured marketed products. That's Laura Strasfeld, co-founder of Period Equity. Period Equity is a legal organization dedicated to achieve the affordability, accessibility, and safety of menstrual products. There are endocrine disruptors, and mostly there are things we don't know because companies are not required to disclose what's in these products. But if you can afford to now, you can buy products that do disclose the ingredients so that you can buy 100% organic cotton tampons and pads and so forth. But that's not generally an option if you can't even afford the products to begin with. So for me, as part of period equity, it's very important that as governments begin to take on collectively this problem of period poverty, that the governments and the large institutional buyers buy the highest quality products available. To properly address period poverty, menstrual products must be affordable, but also safe. On top of advocating for safe products, period equity has been working to eliminate the tampon tax in the United States. When the organization launched in 2016, 40 states still had the tampon tax. As of October 2021, 13 states have passed laws to abolish it. We have to work on the 27 remaining states that still tax menstrual products. And it's a lot of work. You know, you can't just go to the federal government and meet with Congress people and senators. You have to go state by state to really address this problem. So if you think of policy in the U.S. and things move relatively slowly, judging by activist standards and advocacy standards, this issue has moved really quickly. And there are dozens of states that have passed what we call access bills to provide free products in schools, prisons, and homeless shelters. So I think we're doing pretty well, but there are a number of countries that are ahead of us and much more progressive countrywide on this issue. In 2018, Scotland became the first country in the world to make sanitary products free to students at schools, colleges, and universities. England quickly followed suit, passing a similar law. However, most countries around the world haven't made any progress on this issue. But at least in the United States, we seem to be heading in the right direction. I have yet to meet or speak to anyone who is opposed to removing the tampon tax. And there are maybe one or two people who I think would ever come out publicly opposed to removing the tampon tax. It's a very bipartisan issue. Even though most people are not opposed to removing the tampon tax, many are not even aware that period poverty is an issue. I have had ridiculous conversations with many male legislators over many years 
where it strikes me afterward that this is probably the first and only conversation they've ever had with anyone about menstruation. I've felt that I have introduced them to the idea for the first time that menstruation is not a voluntary bodily activity like urination. I don't think they knew about flow and that you can't wait till you find a toilet. Just these kind of conversations, I think, go such a long way toward not just addressing menstrual equity issues, including period poverty, but really addressing more general issues of gender equity. Period poverty is a gendered issue, but we all have a role to play. First, it is important to recognize that not all menstruators identify as women. Second, we must educate people who do not menstruate about this natural process. More often than not, I find that the reason why men haven't been advocating for periods as much as they should is largely because they aren't being spoken to about it or they haven't really learned about it on a deeper level. The prevailing theme that I'm seeing is that Nobody ever like sat them down and spoke to them about it. It was always seen as a women's issue. And they have sort of left it out of their daily life or their conversation, mainly because they didn't want to make women feel uncomfortable. So I feel like that stigma that we're hiding in closets or we're too ashamed to ask them to go buy a pack of pads or tampons for us. A lot of times we inflict that stigma on them. You know, a lot of times if we just, you know, had a conversation, an open and honest conversation, then they might not look at menstruation as stigmatized. So I feel like a lot of times because we exclude them, that fuels the sort of secrecy around it. One way in which we can include men in the conversation is through education. We have to be comfortable talking about it from an early age. That's Jennifer again. I think it's really, really important to have menstrual education, puberty education, reproductive education in schools at an early age. I think that once we build that relationship with our bodies and learn more about how they work and how to take care of them and including everybody in the conversation, menstruators and non-menstruators, we can build a future generation of folks that are just comfortable talking about it. And we wouldn't have to sit here today and talking about how can we break period stigma? It's just a thing. And I was a sexual health educator prior to coming to Alliance for Period Supplies for nearly 10 years. And when we were requested to come in and do education programs for younger students, it was always splitting up the boys and the girls. And I think that was probably one of the biggest problems is that when you don't include everybody in the conversation, the non-menstruators are not understanding. Um, And then there's, you know, bullying and teasing. And then, you know, menstruators start to feel ashamed of their bodies. and, And that's just kind of like how the cycle starts. So I think that one of the biggest ways to just end it is starting that education very early. And also just having that conversation openly with parents. You know, we believe that, you know, your number one educator should be your parents or your guardians or the closest people to you. Yannick is a fierce advocate for talking about periods to break the stigma. In 2020, her work earned her Canada's Hero Award by Global Citizen. 
This award honors individuals who have shown exceptional commitment to the UN global goals in their country and globally. Yannick's hope is that future generations won't have to choose between accessing menstrual products or living a dignified life. So the advocacy that you're doing is trying to bridge that gap where that choice is not on a little girl to choose for herself. What gives you the courage to share your story, given the taboo and all the shame? What gave you the courage to step up and say, I can and I must do something about this? Well, to be completely honest, that little girl is me. The little girl experiencing period poverty, having to leave class and having to spend weeks catching up on a math lesson that she missed. That was me, oftentimes, in two different countries. That was me in Jamaica, it was me in Canada. So I see myself, I can empathize with people in general that are experiencing period poverty because I see myself in them. In order to end period poverty, we need to be able to have open and honest conversations about periods. When I have children, that stigma that was generational coming down from my mom's mom to her to me, it's no longer going to carry on for the future generations. So I would say speak to your children about periods, be open with them, educate them, let them know that it's natural and it's okay so that we can end period poverty for future generations. world's population menstruating, we really hope that this episode helped you realize the dangers of the stigma attached to periods. Through our podcast, we aim to educate and inspire you to take action. There are many ways to do that. Here are just a few suggestions. First, have conversations about periods with your family and community. Periods are nothing to be ashamed of. Second, collect feminine hygiene products and donate them to local schools, domestic abuse shelters, and local organizations. And third, learn more about period poverty and become an advocate for change. We've prepared an educational toolkit on our website to help you deep dive further into this issue. We invite you to host a teach-in for your friends, colleagues, and community. Knowledge is power, and you have the power to inspire real change. If you'd like to hear more empowering stories from Finding Humanity or to learn more about this episode, visit our website at findinghumanitypodcast.com. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Your ratings and reviews help Finding Humanity reach new audiences, so we thank you for your support. podcast, we cover pressing and at times controversial social and political issues. The views and opinions expressed are those of the interviewees and do not reflect the positions or opinions of the producers or any affiliated organizations. Finding Humanity is a joint production of the Humanity Lab Foundation and Human Group Media. For this episode, I'd like to thank Yannick Bradford, Jennifer Gaines, and Lara Strassfield. Our co-executive producers are Camille Lorente and Hazami Bermada. 
Associate producers are Fernanda Oriegas and Tani Jarapraprasuk. Policy and background research by Carolina Mindica and Tani Jarapraprasuk. Mixing, editing, and music by Maverick Aquino. I'm your host, Hazami Bermada. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode. <laughs>